Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Overlap. I just want to apologize real quick for any audio issues that may have come up. This just real just came to me um, in the last recording. Um, I think, I hope we fix them. But if not, well, you'll know while you're listening to this. So anyway, here with Rian, of course, as always, we're not, this isn't a normal week. Obviously, um, it's Christmas week here in the U.S. Well, here in the U.S., it's everywhere. It's Christmas this week. I don't know. It's not a U.S. thing. It's a it's a global thing. I've lost track of time. Just give me a break. But yeah. All right. So we got that going on. But basically, Rihanna and I are going to be doing a non-normal pod where we're going to go through talking about where we kind of view the top four in each league in England and Spain, talking a little relegation as well, and kind of what to look out for from uh, maybe a couple of pretty important players um, in both leagues. So, yeah, why don't we kick it off, Rian, with um, you first off. What have you been up to? How's life? What's going on? Life life is, is all good. I actually realized that, I think I missed last night's um, Bachelorette because they're doing. You missed the Bachelorette? Doing, what? Well, they're doing Monday and Tuesday because it's the last, it's the final uh, two episodes. So I missed uh, last uh, night. Uh, I just realized I, I'll probably have to go back and, and look at that one. But now yeah, they'll, uh, so they'll do, I'm sure, a two minute preview at the beginning of Tuesday night. I know, I so. know, but yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch tonight. Um, okay, and we'll see. How, well, I'll report back on um <laughs> on your thoughts next week ne- or i guess when we when we have our next episode which i don't know ellie's has not said yet but this will be our last episode of, of 2020 yes um, that is true but I, I guess i shall return back with the uh, results <laughs> in early january and uh and actually by then the new bachelor will be starting soon so uh, oh. I, I'm doing pretty good. It's been time for the I'm doing pretty good. I'm about to watch the last episode of The Bachelor this season. Um, <laughs> Is it, I don't know if that's a good thing that you're like ending it, or it's a good thing that you have something to look forward to. I feel like it's a little bit of both. But little, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. A little bit of both, but. Um, but in all seriousness, yeah, I'm back home. That that now. is all seriousness. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, you're back home. I'm back home. Um, got back home yesterday. Elias, who has been home for a, for a little while. Oh my god, yeah, but, like a month now. But um, yeah, back home and and finished all my Christmas shopping. Elias, uh, have you finished your Christmas shopping yet? I think I have. Um, Rian and I are getting overlap sweatshirts delivered to us, so that was part of my Christmas shopping. Um, the rest of it, I think I have. Don't don't quote me on that. Now I got all right. Now I got to think about it. Yeah, now so, now you have me. Alice, <laughs> people don't know. Alice is an only child. I don't know <laughs> how he could be. So I don't know how he whether whether he's finished his Christmas shopping yet. It's only two no, people okay. that he absolutely needs to get Christmas presents for right now. So. Okay, all right. You want to play that game? That's all right. Cool. No, that's fine. Um, yeah, I probably need to. To order one more thing, <laughs> and okay. I have, now that I think of it, you, okay, all right, 
You put me on this. That's fine. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. You want to uh, you want to talk a little soccer now, or do you want to keep roasting me? Whichever one works for you. I'll give you the option. Uh, yeah, as entertaining as those <laughs> options are, um, let, let's maybe stick with the soccer for today. Fair enough. All right. Fair enough. Um, all right. So we'll kick it off in England, Ryan. Um, let's talk a little of where we left off at the end of last season, basically, with your top two teams, Liverpool and Manchester City. Ryan, we kind of expected, I feel like, different things coming out of City specifically. Pretty similar track record with Liverpool, you know, considering COVID, considering injuries. We've talked about this already. Where Where is your head at with the Champions race, right? The the race to the Premier League title um, and, and how that's going. Well, I want to start with like, saying that just because we're starting with these two teams, I, I don't th- put... Ah, uh, the disclaimer. City. The disclaimer. Yeah, I don't, I don't, we don't want to put this as it's still only Liverpool or Manchester City that can win it this year. But these are still the two, in our minds, most talented squads in England. And on the Liverpool side, we've talked about how impressed we've been with how resilient they've been this season. Like, that's the biggest takeaway. I think you can can, um, draw on from Liverpool's first half of the season. And granted, we're still, I think we're a few games away from being officially halfway through the season. But... Liverpool's resiliency is the thing that stuck out the most on their side. And on City's side, it's been the waste. Wasting of chances is not, I wouldn't quite say wasting of chances. I, I felt like that was the truth a bit more last season. But you know, as we've talked about before, they aren't creating quite on the same level. But at the same time, their defending is much better than last season. And they and they legitimately are outside of a couple of results that we saw earlier in the season. Like, um, we we've seen them actually be very good defensively, and and I think that a big takeaway for City at this point in the season is they seem a lot more assured in their back line. They've got something really nice going, I think, with Ruben Diaz and Laporte. And Diaz, is, I thought, has been their best center back so far this season even john stones has come back in during the last month or so and has been really effective and that's i mean that's huge for him considering where he was during last season where he just couldn't get into the team and then on the their fullbacks draw cancel has been fantastic i think this year like really really good um and he's take, really taken a step i think since last season and then kyle walker's been great too so i think their city's an interesting spot because like I said, it, it feels a bit flipped um, in terms of what their biggest strengths have been so far this year, and it, and it hasn't really been the attack quite as much as in the past. But like, Aguero's coming back. He got back in his first game for a while today against um, Arsenal in the League Cup. I think City will, will push on for the second half of the season, but yeah, two different places for, for them. I don't know. Elias, where do you see these two teams are we going to see them converge more in the second half or you know liverpool has some players to come back from injury too so it's it's possible that while manchester city makes their way back up the table like liverpool could get even stronger on some levels yeah i don't know if converge is maybe the right word i think 
in all likelihood, it's a situation where city grow and get better and come into form. I mean, slower than we probably would have liked or, you know, expected. Um, and Liverpool continue on their run of form, right? I, I don't see a drop off in form coming for Liverpool, right? I think that kind of just showed in the Crystal Palace game, not necessarily because of the result, but because of the players that were on the field. And again, we've talked about this with, you know, Mr. Zlaski and, and others that have come on the pod and between ourselves, right? Every player that's on that squad is bought into the Jurgen Klopp idea of basically the fundamentals of his game, um, right? Your, your high pressing, your, your quick movements, um, you know, being ahead of the ball when it comes to your positional play, right? Not waiting for the ball to get to your feet, just little things like that. Um, and, and you saw, you know, players like Benamino get on the score sheet, right? Players that normally would not maybe start every game for Liverpool, but every player is, again, basically thrived in the system. Um, and that's, again, credit to Jurgen Klopp. So I, I think I expect City to continue to get better um, and probably drop points every couple of weeks just on an off chance, um, because that's apparently what they do now. Um, not necessarily due to defensive laps in concentration, but largely due to the fact that they are just, for some reason, too slow with the ball up front. But that's up for another day. So, um, But I should say, Rian, as we look towards the top four and as we look towards you know, the quote-unquote champions title race, I, ha- I have to mention Chelsea again. I have to. I, ha- I, I know you don't want to jinx it, but... It's not like they're not in the conversation. They still have to be in this conversation. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good transition for us to talk about. <laughs> you don't want to jinx it, do you? The teams, the teams, the teams who are in the top four race. I I think that's a good transition there. It's if let's we'll start on Chelsea. They're in a really int- weird. Oh, no, not weird spot. I think they're in a really tough spot right now. Um, Ben Chilwell turned his ankle in their their win against West Ham yesterday, and it's looking like a sprain. So I think it's p- potential for him to miss the uh, Arsenal game on Saturday, and that will leave them for the first time this season without either Ben Chilwell or Reese James uh, starting. As Reese James is going to be taking a few games off, I, I think there's some precautionary. Um, load management there with his with his knee right now um it'll be really interesting to see how how chelsea plays without either their two starting fullbacks who are really relied upon for providing the width and there's that issue coupled with as we've talked before hakim ziyech being out of the team the where is he 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 Hurt his hamstring a couple weeks ago in the Leeds game. In, okay, so it's a Tiago situation where you never know where he's going. <laughs> Got it. I, there, there's a bit more transparency there, thankfully. <laughs> I think, I think, um, I think the, he's on course to come back and at least be in the squad on on Saturday against against uh, Arsenal. But ah, uh, beautiful. Chelsea just in a spot where it's really funny because I, as much as I liked to. Um, kind of poke at at Manchester United for Bruno Fernandes being so being really the difference between them being good and very average on any day 
Chelsea are in a very similar spot, I think, with Hakim Ziyech out, where, you know, there's still enough on the field to create chances that, or should be enough on the field to create chances, but I think it's really simple as no Hakim Ziyech, then add in no Reese James and Ben Chilwell, and the chance creation is going to really have to come from the central midfielders and the more narrow players, and that kind of makes the shape itself narrow. Let's say Chelsea don't really have wingers that um, that like to cross it as much. You know, Pulisic, Hudson Odoi, um, Werner when he plays out on the left. None of those guys are are looking to get to the byline and cross it and be like normal wingers, quote unquote inverted wingers, more like. So Chelsea's an interesting spot. Uh, there, I as a Chelsea fan, I feel still very hopeful about the second half of the season and i think when the players are in then this team really does look like this like the third at worst best team in the league but um that's not where they are on the table right now so no they're not but give credit they are i mean you, you also have to point out that in the top six right any team is basically within three points of being second so like it's not, yeah. it's not like <laughs> you're talking one Wolves different result away from being in an entirely different, which I think just goes to show how tight it is at the top. But I think there's also something to be said there um, about United and about, in some ways, Leicester too. Um, they are teams that I think, I don't want to say we've slept on, but we've definitely probably not given them enough credit. I think we've definitely given them credit, but maybe not enough credit for being where they are. Um, I still maintain that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not the coach for Manchester United. I don't care how many times you say Ole at the wheel. I don't see any <laughs> progression in this team. I don't see any advancement. I don't see any creativity outside of individual brilliance. So I really don't know what the ceiling for this United team is. It probably is this, quite frankly. Um, but Leicester, I think, are probably in a different, completely different situation, right? They're they're getting their players back from injury. I mean, we've talked about Ndidi being such a difference maker already in his first game back from injury. Yeah, um, first game back against against uh, Tottenham. Right. Yeah, great. yeah. Oh my God! I, <laughs> in uh, the most Spurs fashion, I did forget that Spurs dropped down to sixth uh, over the weekend. Yes, <laughs> uh, that that did happen. I forgot that. Um, yeah, so I, I think those are two teams that, in the context of top four, are going to push to the very end. I would say that, in my opinion, Leicester are probably in a better position to be a top four team than Manchester United, though. Leicester, yeah, I think it's tough for me to say that because, partially because of what we saw at this during the second half of last season from Leicester when a few of those injuries happened and granted they can get just as lucky with injuries in the second half as they were unlucky in the second half of last season. Um, but I agree with you. It's, I don't think it's crazy to say that Leicester on a consistency basis have more of a discernible style and more of a discernible um, and consistent ways of creating chances as a team, not as individuals, as as you noted with, with Manchester United. But 
the thing is, United has definitely enough talent to finish in the top four. And more or less, that is what carried them um, during the run-in last season is the just the attrition of talent that even when they are not playing well and they haven't played well for large stretches of this season in, in games, um, they might take a whole half off, which they have at times this season, but they still have enough talented players in Fernandez, Rashford, and you know when he's really feeling it, Paul Pogba, those players can create chances out of nothing, and Marcus Rashford can score out of nothing. Right? It, it's kind of the, I guess, two sides of like a, it's like a seesaw of sorts there, where like Leicester don't quite have the individual talent to be able to completely change a game that they're not playing well in. But they play very well most of the time, so they're, there's not a lot of times when they're just out of a game. And Manchester United sometimes play very well, sometimes don't. I, I think uh, a certain coach of Napoli right now, Gattuso, had another way of saying that. <laughs> but United can not play well and also, just like Leicester, not be fully out of the game because of their talent not because of they play not because of how well the team plays together but because of their talent they're right. never out of a game right sorry i'm still i'm just cracking up thinking of what gatuso said that's <laughs> i'm literally like i can hear it because i saw the drift today but that <laughs> anyway, I'm, all right i'm gonna go on mute because you make very good points <laughs> i'm dying laughing uh, but but no, it's 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 those two teams are yeah in second and third. Leicester sitting only four points behind Liverpool at this point, um, on their way to another really good end of the first half of the season as we saw last year, and like it, like we said, they're getting players back, and so uh, I think they're going to be around the, that top four and be really in the the top four race for a large majority of the season uh, as much as they were last season because I, I don't see. I don't see them getting any worse than, than I don't see them getting any worse, um, barring injuries, of course. But I don't see them regressing like they did in the second half of last season, unless there are major, major injuries. But no, I I completely agree. I I honestly wouldn't add anything different. Like the only way that they regress, you know, a significant amount out of the top four is I think if Jamie Vardy stops scoring and. I mean, it's possible, but I have no evidence to suggest that that might happen as they get their playmakers back. So, I, yeah, I don't think that will be the case at all. So maybe, I mean, maybe there's another conversation to be had, though. And it's probably similar, right? It's a similar narrative between United and Spurs. I think Spurs are a side that have developed talent, right? Albeit it's very front-heavy, but they have developed good talent, Um and in also the most Gattuso esque form, um, play in a very polarized sense. <laughs> but it's very much one style of play. Um, polarizing in the sense that it either works or it just absolutely does not. Um, there's no middle ground. Um, and polarizing in, in, I think, how people, um, <laughs> how people take to watching it. Too, yes, right? yes. If you're a Spurs fan, you love it. And if you're not, you hate it. So majority of the world hates it. Um, but yes, <laughs> I, that's also a good point. I mean, 
What do you what do you think Mourinho is thinking right now when it comes to looking at Spurs' chances for top four, the title? I think Carlo Ancelotti is is probably thinking something similar in the sense of, okay, we've done well this far. Um, have we reached our ceiling though? I, I don't know. I think that's definitely that's definitely a interesting point. Yeah, I think honestly, you said it. You know, Spurs have dropped down to six, but they're they're sixth on goal difference they're behind chelsea on goal difference and also still only one point outside of third two points outside of second um i think that jose Mourinho's gotta still be pretty positive about the season so far now okay we obviously we, we know about what happened in the liverpool game and, and how he reacted to that um i don't think we have to relitigate that too much i mean it, I don't even know if we have we spoken since that game. I think I can't even. Remember I don't. I don't think we have. I don't think but, we have. Um, but yeah, what, Spurs what did say? say it. No, no. Spurs, <laughs> <laughs> well, Jose, Jose, believing, saying, said to Jurgen Klopp at the end of that game that the best team lost. It's, um, a, it's a take. It's a take for sure. J- Jurgen um, Klopp, by the way, did respond with a uh, convincing. That's not true. Um, yeah, and, and it was just, and and when they showed the video of it, he was like smiling. He was like laughing. He was like, "What?" Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I think the last few results for, um, for uh, Tottenham in their their loss to Liverpool and drawing um, Crystal Palace and then losing to Leicester. It's just it. It shows the other side of what this looks like for Tottenham when when they don't score on like one of their first two shots of the game right and they've been doing that consistently the games leading up to Liverpool they scored on their first shot in the three straight games and I mean that's you might say or you might uh, expect from hearing that as like oh well they're just creating so many chances they're creating chances so quickly stuff but you know the the minutes that those shots came in and, and the types of shots that are they're scoring on are just I, I hate to say not sustainable because um the level of quality in the two guys that they have taking these shots is really consistent consistent high level finishing is what they're getting but you see what happens when they can't score on those really let's let's face it three to five actual attempts at attacking a game if they don't score on any of those or if they don't score on the first three of those and by time they get that third attempted counter we might be like 45 minutes into the game because as we saw against Leicester they sat deep a lot and couldn't quite string together the perfect passes to create the counterattacks. Um, so the other side of that is like, if you don't have the ball and you don't score on pretty much he's 40 to 60% of the chances that they get, which is, which is hard. Um, if you're not able to do that, then you really leave yourself liable to what we saw with the first goal from Liverpool, where Liverpool has the ball almost entirely in that game. Most of their shots were not well hit or like perfectly on balance, but the first goal that goes in is comes from a deflection. It comes from Liverpool having the ball in the box. 
and they just get lucky because they actually were trying <laughs> to score, right? So uh, it's just kind of the other side of it. it it's it's the risk playing that way and there are risks we've talked about there are risks in all types of playing styles but um i think just the way that tottenham plays is one of the riskiest ways in my opinion some people might say the riskiest way is playing with the high line but um in my opinion i i feel it's the riskiest way of playing because you are leaving yourself at total up totally up to the fate of deflections pretty much and 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 not having deflections and you, you need a bit more you need to ride your luck a, a bit more but Mourinho will be happy i also think uh ancelotti will be very happy too because they've everything has bounced back from a tough spot um and getting a few wins lately so i think that what we're going to end up seeing well maybe i'll say this for, for the predictions but i'll tease it but i think you're going to be presently surprised by the teams that are in fourth, fifth, and seventh. So Everton, Chelsea, and Southampton. I'll leave, I'll leave it at that for now. Um, but I agree with basically everything you were saying. Um, I think we should probably, I, I don't, we, wait, we wait, wait, sorry, before, before we, before we just move on, I, I do want to give just a little more love to, to Everton there because we buried them. We buried them. We buried them like three weeks ago. True. Um, and granted, and and they were dealing with injuries at that time, and still dealing with some of those injuries. But, um, Alex, you have to, you have to be impressed with the with the fact that they've come back and they beat Chelsea, they beat Arsenal, like, they had a really good week, and they beat Leicester. Like they had a really good week after dropped after not being able to win for two and a half weeks. So I think there's more to be said, honestly, in Everton's mental fortitude than it is their playing style. Like I think we all know James, Allen, Calvert Lewin, right? They're they're good players. Some of them great players. But what's more impressive to me is going on a losing streak like they did, right? And basically, Rian and I and most people that we know writing them off and saying, ah, well, there's the drop-off we expected. And then for them to roar back and beat several top teams. That's not... I, I don't think that's a fluke. I think that's a product of coaching more than anything. I don't think that's necessarily a tactical decision um, or tactical change, but I think that that's Carlo Ancelotti at work knowing how to pick a team back up with experience, right? I think that's something that you can't can't necessarily always just go out and buy, um, unless of course that manager's name is Mauricio Pochettino. But again, <laughs> that, yeah, I don't okay. think you can just go out and get that so often. So I think that's where I give Everton more credit. And yeah, I should be noted that all of that without Hannes Rodriguez too. Right, that's also a good point. Um, that that's why I don't think it's necessarily just down to tactical setup. I think it's down to mental fortitude and the way that this Carlo Ancelotti has gotten this team to respond to those challenges. So I think the challenge for Everton now, though, um, just my last point on this is how do you continue that into 2021? How do you make sure if you are truly pushing for a top four challenge, how do you make sure that the points that you, <clears throat> you know, may drop in 2021 are not against your big sides or the sides that you are competing directly with 
because that I think is probably going to be their biggest detriment, but they passed their first kind of big test right in the last couple of weeks. Yep. And I think is, is that enough love for you? Oh, that's enough. That's <laughs> enough. <laughs> that's enough love. That's enough love. They'll, they'll be getting, they'll get players back in, uh, in January and February and we'll see how they, how they kick on, but they're frisky. They're going to be really tough to beat for just about all the top teams still, even the, as they've proved in the last uh, week. But um, shall we move further down the table, Elias, and just so, take a look at... To, uh, <laughs> where? Where do you want to move? A, to take a look at the uh, relegation, relegation uh, fights. Brutal. Brutal. You mean the... <laughs> it's not really a, a fight so much as Sheffield, West Brom, and Fulham really just pulling up the back. More so Sheffield, but... Um, yeah, if you had to choose one of those three teams that I mentioned to get out of the relegation zone, I think clearly the answer is Fulham. Like, it's not just a points equation. It's like a form plus, okay, we realize we screwed up at the beginning of the season. Now here's how we're fixing it type equation. Rian um, and I have talked about this, maybe not so much on the pod, but we talked about how Fulham have responded since their opening day loss, or opening day battering to another relegation face side in Arsenal. Um, that has been, I think, the most impressive part about Fulham is that they started, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong in this, they started one player against, was it Liverpool? That was in their starting 11. Or Arsenal, yeah. Arsenal, Excuse me. The first match against Arsenal, yeah. Yes, it was, it was one player from the Arsenal game against Liverpool about a week and a half ago. One player. <laughs> just the one that's it well, yeah. Clearly, have learned their lesson i think that, <laughs> that alone should show you enough but it's not just about the fact that they have made such a drastic change to the squad but it's also that they're now picking up points right like that even if they are draws right against liverpool for example that's so, a huge yeah, result fantastic and, results so exactly yeah. and beating leicester too like again Big, big results. Like, those are very important. Um, and they went Leicester City and Liverpool, I think, in a, in a span yeah. of three games. And they were able to pick up four points from those three games. That, to me, isn't necessarily a relegation side. That is a mid-table side form, basically. Um, or, in other words, a better-than-Arsenal-type form. But, anyway, mm. we can get to that. Mm. That's a tough. I mean, yeah, <laughs> on the Fulham side, yes, I, I agree with you. That out of the teams in the bottom three right now, and you have Sheffield, who are sitting on two points. Um, they just picked up their second point of the season uh, against Brighton this past weekend. I I think there's no hope for Sheffield to make it out of the bottom three. I, I think that there is more of a chance that they tie or break. Darby's record for fewest points in a season, then their chance of uh, the bottom three, honestly. But uh, West Brom, and, and if you were wondering, Darby's points That's record, what I was lowest, point, lowest <laughs> point. I forget what it was. I, I saw this quizzical look on Ellis's face as I, <laughs> as I attempted to move move on. No, it, it, Darby picked up 11 points in 2008. Yeah. Oh my god. So that's I, I was gonna guess fourteen, but I mean both are just 
sad. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think there's a chance that Sheffield breaks it. Um, and I guess that yeah, breaking breaking it in the sense of <laughs> not breaking it technically, I guess. Um, <laughs> That's terrible. You're a terrible person. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, they're going to break the record and get 10 points. <laughs> okay. All right, move on. What yeah, are you going to say? Yeah, yeah full, I think Fulham's got the best chance. West Brom's sitting on seven points. Just not sure that Brian, that West Brom's going to has enough talent in the team. Um, they got Big Sam coming come back. He had it. He was back on the uh, sidelines for the first time this this weekend, but they lost. Um, yeah, so... those those post match uh, game, uh, yeah, interviews are going to be. Yeah. Oh my god, legendary. I, happy, happy to have such a such a stalwart, such a pillar of of English heritage <laughs> back in the Premier League. Um, he, he defines pub culture. In like a human yeah. being, if you had to define pub culture, that's <laughs> yeah. So at, at this point now, it's like who can Fulham catch? Um, they're two points off of Brighton in seventeenth, three points off of Burnley, who's in sixteenth with the game in hand, and four points off of Arsenal, who's in fifteenth. Um, I think the most likely thing is that is that they're able to get past Burnley, but. You know, Brighton scares me in the sense of they do well to create so many chances for themselves, but their talent can't quite be decisive in the final third. And they are they're great to watch. And then they get into the final third and it's just, you know, that's where you see the the difference, really, I guess. Right. And in, in teams that down there and teams in the top six or seven. Right. And it's a fine line. Right. Like that should be pointed out like there's a. <laughs> Doing all the hard work to get a ball into the final third and like a, just in a good position to increase your XG, as Rihanna would love me to say, um, that takes a lot. But to not finish it off is a very fine line between three points, zero points, one point. Like that, that's why you see the, the table is so tight in the Premier League right now. It's largely because of that. Absolutely. And you know, Brian, tenth in expected goals in the league, like down in seventeenth. You know their expected goals against is very solid. It's it's four. Sorry, third. Well, no, fourth. Wow, it's fourth in the league. I honestly, I, when you said it was solid, I for some reason thought you were going to follow it up and say four expected goals a game. That oh, yeah. I was like. What? <laughs> That's absurd. <laughs> no, <laughs> but but it does just kind of attest to, like you said, the the fine line down there. You know, tenth in expected goals, fourth in expected goals allowed, and yet they're only two points away from the drop. And it's such a it's it's a tough tough game there. But um, I, I'm hopeful for Brian. I really hope that they don't go down because I really enjoy how they play and really enjoy their their coach Grand Potter too. So. So we just finish off here, Elias, with uh, just our expectations for Arsenal in the second half of the season. Um, we don't have to talk uh, about the first uh, half of the season. We've talked a lot <laughs> about it. There's not much to litigate there, but the second half. My expectation, and I wish that we were recording this in two weeks because I think I would have potentially a completely different answer. Chelsea, sorry, um, Arsenal 
lost to, as we're recording this, Manchester City in the Cup today, 4-1. Arsenal play Chelsea on Boxing Day. After they play Chelsea, they play, correct me if I'm wrong, Rian, they play both Brighton and West Brom. So, you're playing arguably a side that is a top three contender and not champion contender. Then you're playing two sides that, shockingly, you are competing, competing, right, for relegation with right now. If they lose two out of the three of those games, I think they're in a very bad position. If they lose one of those three out of those games, and let's say they tie the rest, fine. If they lose none of those games, I think they're in a great position. The thing is, I don't have faith in this Arsenal side going into the second half of the season. Like, there's been no sign that players like Saliba, players obviously like Ozil, but uh, players that you would think in their youth who deserve a chance are going to get a chance to shine. I have not seen a Bumiang return to any sort of form that his massive contract would assume that he could play at. I have not seen a cohesive defensive line that actually looks like they all speak the same language, literally and figuratively. I've also not seen players in the midfield able to create chances. Ceballos, I thought, could be that player, and clearly I was partially wrong with that. He's probably their, <laughs> arguably their best midfielder, and that's not really saying a lot right now uh, alongside Elneny. So what do I expect from this Arsenal side? The same exact thing because changes have not been made and they aren't going to be made. So I have no reason to believe that Arteta can wave a magic wand, right? I think he's a smart manager and I think that clearly he knows what he's doing, but he just doesn't have the resources to do what he needs to do or to implement the style of play that he would want to, to play. And you might argue that good managers can you know, get a, find a way around that or whatever. You're talking about a first-time manager, though. Like, you need someone that clearly has done this for several years in order to say they can change their game plan around, match it to each player, blah, blah, blah. That's not something that, again, you wave a magic wand and do. That comes with experience. So I expect the same thing, unfortunately, from the first half of the season, largely because if you look at the evidence from the first half of the season, I don't see how things are going to change, when they're going to change, or in what way they're going to change. Yeah, and I, and I think I, talk, I said last week, I don't think the season is salvageable for them in any in any sense, other than, you know, I don't think they're going to get relegated. I don't think they're going to actually come close to getting relegated. Although, you know, someone, I think I saw somewhere, either on Reddit or on Twitter, just how close, Chelsea were to get to the relegation zone um, the season that they finished 10th. After 16 games, they were only like two points above the relegation spot. And I did not remember it that way at all. I think I actually suppressed a lot of my memory from that season. But um, yeah, the Arsenal's next three games are pivotal. Right? But yeah, they, they are. But on, on the point of that Chelsea side, um, I'm sure you don't remember it for obvious reasons. I'm <laughs> uh, choosing really... not to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, of course. Um, blacked out for like two months. But yeah, that makes sense. But you have to remember with that Chelsea side, there was somewhat of a revamp in January. Like, I'm not saying like everything changed, but th there was some sort of squad infusion. I forget if that was the 
And the manager was sacked too. Yes, obviously <laughs> the manager was sacked. Um, yeah. But I'm trying to remember if that's when Diego Costa came in. I don't think it was, but maybe I'm wrong. No, it was just that, that second half of the season. Chelsea played more of the kids, and mm, right, they, right. You know, they they they, switched, they just stopped playing a lot of players, which has not fully happened for Arsenal. But yet. that's exactly that's the point, right? Like Chelsea made those changes where they did play the kids. They they almost had nothing to lose, and they yeah. only gained. Right, and I don't see Arsenal making that shift, so I don't have a reason to say Arsenal are, go- are in a good position going into the second half of the season. But I've ranted enough on this. Yeah, uh, f- full kind of uh, final thoughts on that. It's just that I think they'll, I think they'll finish. Um, I think they'll probably finish around mid table at the end of the season when it's all said and done. Um, I think at some point they will just start playing more consistently. Guys like Joe Willock the um the reese nelsons and you know we saw today in the league cup they um balogun who's been playing in in the europa league for them i think they'll just start they'll have to they'll have no they'll have no choice like you said ellis as chelsea did at that time they'll have no choice but um yeah chelsea will be interesting game obviously that's not a game that will get mikel arteta sacked though if if he does get sacked this season which i I still think it's very unlikely he does, but I have said in our little group chat that I believe that if if they lose to Brighton and West Brom, I, I truly don't see how he how he will not get sacked. Honestly, um, if they lose both of those games, and uh, they need to win one of those two, I, I would say they need to win at least at least one of the the Brighton and West Brom game for for Mikel Arteta to survive um further into the season but you know only time will tell right um well how about this rian enough sitting on the fence let's hear let's hear some of those predictions then let's i mean while we're at it in relegation let's start with the relegation zone right who do you expect to be relegated if it's clearly not arsenal that you don't believe i personally also believe that arsenal will not get relegated probably will finish i think a little below mid-table um unlike chelsea but who who gets relegated? I think it's clear that Sheffield are in that conversation. But um, are you choosing Fulham and West Brom, or are you going at least one other side? I'm going to say West Brom and Burnley. Uh, and I think Fulham makes it out. I think Fulham just makes it out. I think ultimately it'll be between Fulham and Burnley. But, you know, Burnley finds a way to get points in the ugliest ways themselves. But I... I think it'll be Burnley that that finally goes down after after being able to stay up the last few seasons. But Alice, do you want to give me your top four? Interesting. You're not even going to let me do relegation? Fine, because I had my top I four. Trust you. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. No, no, I'll, I'll trust your relegation. That's fine. Mainly because I was going to choose the same three teams for the similar reasons. But all right, let's go to top four, because I know you won't agree with me. Um, first, I'm still going to go with Chelsea to win the league. I said this, maybe even stubbornly. I've stuck to this memo. You got to stick with it now. You got to stick with it. I am no, yeah, sticking with it because I still believe that they're the most primed, skilled, talented squad to basically win the title. I think it's that simple. Um, they have depth. They have talent. They have a coach that is... I would say for the time being, a good fit, um, keyword time being, but 
I have no reason to believe that Chelsea cannot make it above Liverpool. Um, I would say that it's going to be very tough. I'm not, I'm not saying that let's just point out, I think I've, (laughs) I feel like I've made it sound like Chelsea are going to walk to the title. They're not going to walk to the title. Um, Liverpool are going to be with them literally till the last day. That's my genuine prediction. But I do think that Chelsea end up winning the title for the exact same reasons that I pointed out. I think the only wrench that I could throw in there is Liverpool just go on an absolute Manchester City-esque tear, which I don't see happening. Um, But again, as we get later into the season, as you have Champions League games, as you have Cup games, right? Liverpool are more depleted squad than Chelsea's, objectively. And I think that's going to weigh a major, major, major factor, especially in a pandemic world um, without fans, too. Well, Hopefully we'll have them back at some point in 2021, but for now. So Chelsea is my number one. I think Liverpool are going to be second. I think Manchester City find a way to squeak back up into third because in an almost too big to fail way, missing out on the Champions League, I think would be like just a heart through knife or a heart, a knife through Pep's heart. That's what I mean. Um, And I, I don't see that being acceptable for them. And I think they also still have the talent to do so. Um, lastly, for fourth, unfortunately, Manchester United, I'm going to go with Leicester. I think Leicester are a team that is more well-coached, and I think while United do have more talent, I don't think they're nearly as consistent, and consistency matters over talent in some ways. Um, so I'm going to go with Leicester as my fourth team. And that's also no, that's no Tottenham in there for you too, Elias. No, no, Tottenham, because you see, I mean, you said this earlier, right? Yeah. Note how binary their playing style is. You either play really well and you finish your chances, and then you just set up a defensive block for 90 minutes and put me to sleep, or you set up a defensive block and get passed through, which they did against Liverpool. So I don't know if that's sort of like, here's my point. Hungman's son and Harry Kane will continue to score goals. Arguably at an outrageous rate, but I think that two players scoring at an outrageous rate are not nearly as good as three, four, five players on another top five side, top four side scoring at a good rate are. Because you're yeah. you're just you're putting too many eggs in one basket. So no, no, you're, you totally I totally agree with that. Um, I for me, I'm sticking with Liverpool. Because in the same way you're sticking to your guns with Chelsea winning, I'm sticking with Liverpool. I think I st- I still think the Manchester Ooh, City. I still think I I still think City will get second. I, I just I just think they'll they'll start scoring more, but you know, it's really I'm really putting all my eggs into the Aguero basket of that with with that. Um, thought so. I, I I still think City will will come in second. Um, I'm gonna stick with Chelsea at third, assuming you know the the most important uh, chance creators on the team stay healthy for most for most most of the season. And you know, last year around this, I said this, and Elias looked at me like I was crazy and 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 couldn't believe what I was saying. But again, I think United will 
find a way to finish nope. fourth in the nope. top four. No, nope. I don't know if they'll finish fourth, but they, but I. You think they'll finish third? Like what? I mean, they finished third last season off of goal difference, granted, but. Ooh. But. <laughs> but I don't know, man. Uh, God, it, it. Okay, this time it feels a lot more like I'm doing it off of faith rather than. <laughs> exactly. Year. This this year it feels I'm doing it more because I just. The talent, I think, will just carry them, but. Yeah, I, I, hmm. no, screw it. I'm saying Tottenham. I'll, I'll go Tottenham for it. Oh, all that just to yeah, say no, Spurs. I, okay, I, I, I think it'll be a real dogfight between Chelsea, Tottenham, and United for third and fourth. And I, as much as I love Leicester, as much as I love Everton too, of course, but um, I just think that Leicester just won't quite have enough in terms of the talent and and it's hard for me to to look away from that and it's hard for me to look away from what we've seen united be able to do when they don't play well um but like i said fourth fourth for tottenham sorry i'm not mad i'm not mad i'm okay with that i can live with that um maybe i'm sleeping on spurs a little too much it's entirely possible but i'm gonna stick with my pick because i feel comfortable enough to say that i don't think that over time, maybe I'll come back and buy my words. I don't think over time that that playing style will work out over the it's course a prediction. of... prediction. If we're wrong, it's, we're wrong. It, it's a <laughs> prediction. I'm not going to put money on it, but I don't feel like that sort of playing style can carry you through 35-plus games um, in, in a league season. I just... It just... It can't. Like, come on. That's... Just, no. I refuse. Uh, wow. All right, Alice, just before we, we head off to break um, and, and do talk about La Liga, can you give me your one player who has impressed you the most um, in the first half of the season in, in England? Uh, it's so tough. Um, I think it's between two players. For me, it's either Hungman's son or Jack Grealish. And wow. <laughs> That's, what? Okay, go on, go on. No, no, no. Okay. I, I want to hear who you say now because I, I mind similarly. Okay, two players. If I have to choose, I'm actually probably going to go with Hungman Son because I think to consistently right be leaned upon for both assists and goals in a role that I should say in yeah a role that doesn't necessarily require him to be constantly attacking is utterly absurd and i don't think people give him enough credit for that to be as lethal as he is just go back and watch his goal against west ham last season that won the puskas like Mm -hmm. that is otherworldly and while he's not scoring those same exact goals now but he's scoring at a very similar rate and his dribbling ability is just again otherworldly and he's arguably arguably carried the Spurs team more than Harry Kane um, this season. And I think he deserves a big, big contract coming out of Spurs. So just, again, I cannot give him enough plaudits because you're talking about a Spurs team that without half of, of Hungman's goals and assists are a mid-table team. Think about that. So Yeah, it'd be, it'd be tough. It'd be tough without him. <laughs> I, just just a, a stat or two on Son there. He's goals above non-penalty expected goals. First in the league, 
he's it's a six more. It's a difference of six there. Eleven goals. His expect his xG is or non penalty xG is is at um is at five, and even crazier of the top five goal getters so far in England. In terms of touches in the penalty area per goal, Harry Kane at six point seven, Jamie Vardy six point eight, Mo Salah seven point six, Dominic Calvert Lewin six point nine. Hungman's son is averaging a goal for every 4.3 touches in the penalty area. <laughs> so, so it's just it's a clinical, clinical, clinical. Yeah, just she's just been putting on a clinic all season, and and a fair amount of those goals have come from outside the penalty area. So that's <laughs> just crazy. Um, my my player will be Jack Grealish. Then Elias, that his ability to so effectively carry Villa's attack where where they attack more than Tottenham but everything goes through Jack Jack Grealish and if you didn't know Aston Villa is first in the league in shots per game oh what yeah (laughs) not expected shots no shots per game they average more shots per game than Liverpool Manchester City Chelsea I did not know that per game wow okay and it's partially down to like Grealish's ability. Like I said, he's so good at carrying the attack, but he's also so unselfish. He's averaging, he's first in shots, creating actions per 90. He's second, sorry, third in assists. He's third in expected assists per 90. And he's first in touches in the penalty area per, per 90. And with that stat, he's 10 touches per game. Next closest is Sadio Mane with 8.3. So, I can I can happily say I was wrong about Jack Grealish. I thought last at the end of last season, my thoughts around him were, "This is great," but I'm not sure that he could do this in a team with other great players. And he proved me wrong in the games with England, especially right. is, is where he proved me wrong in that. And then even playing with playing with Ross Barkley, that granted, it's not a it's not a player that we would say is. A world-class player but that is another player that really demands the ball a lot too and and, and tries to create stuff on his own too and... when you see ross barkley in the nigerian national no sorry <laughs> continue continue yeah, unfortunately too late for him to make the switch um, but, <laughs> but uh but now that that was that was it jack Grealish is, is for me um i think the player of the season so far and i think he's going to be england's most important player at the euros Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I'm saying that. I think he's a, their most important player next summer. Bold. Because I don't know if I agree with that, but I respect the call out. And I, and I think it's not, not impossible. I think it's bold. Um, but anyway. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think we're probably very much on a similar page when it comes to two players to watch out for going into 2021. Um, and, and I hope, honestly, for some of these teams' sakes, and I'm looking at you, Arsenal. I'm also looking at you, <clears throat> excuse me, Everton. I hope you step it up and continue your run of form. This is not me saying that either of these teams are terrible and I hope they stay there. I actually hope to see them improve because I do like Arsenal as a squad. I, I think they have decent players, and I also love Everton for the way that they're coached. 
I don't know. I'll leave it at that. Those are my thoughts. The fear, yeah, the one fear for Arsenal is AC Milan has been doing great in Serie A this season. They're sitting first. What's your point? And just about like three to four years ago, they were lost completely as a club. <laughs> yes. And, and I'm hope and the hope is that they haven't switched places some sort of body switch in terms of Arsenal and, and Milan because you can be a great, great club like Milan was and or is, sorry, I shouldn't say was as Milan, Milan is and be wayward for years. Fall from grace. doesn't come back quickly. See how long it's taken for Milan to get back into a position to be able to get into the Champions League. They haven't been in the Champions League for... I want to say like six years at this point, at least. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it'll be refreshing to hopefully see it next season. Yeah. But we digress. Anyway, I think that uh, that wraps up the Premier League portion of the pod. So we're going to talk a little, some about our predictions for La Liga. Oh God, that's going to be terrible for me, but uh, we're going to do it. We'll be back. We'll be back.